My name is Amy Sturmer. I am a pharmacist and co-owner with my husband of Medicine Man Bonners Ferry Pharmacy in Bonners Ferry, Idaho. We're an independent retail pharmacy. And we purchased the Rapid Pack RX in July of last year, and it has been a great time saver for us. We were able to cut pharmacist time and tech time in half, even more so in some cases. Um, We've really enjoyed having it. A lot of our patients are telling all their friends and family about the Rapid Pack program, our pouching service. And so we're getting a lot of word of mouth from it. And in a lot of cases, these patients are new patients to us. They're transferring in, which has been a great source of new patients and income to our pharmacy. We're also able to add supplements to their pack um, to help us get the margin on those instead of sending them to other businesses. So that helps us to keep the patient healthy and still get the profits from those supplements. And a lot of the times the patients that are started on our pouching service end up getting a lot of medications discontinued due to their adherence. It's been really nice to see them get healthier and happier and just everything getting easier. Our previous solution wasn't working for us. It took a lot of extra time to uh, both fill the cassettes and verify them. So this has been a huge time saver and we're able to get it done in, in half the time. We're able to get a visual verification which has been really helpful so that if I need to look back on previous pouching history that I can verify everything was done correctly and help the patient through all of that. And we just have a lot of happy patients with it. If you're a pharmacy owner and are interested in increasing profits while helping your patients stay compliant on their medications, reach out to the RxSafe team. Visit rxsafe.com. That's rxsafe.com. You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. This is the PGX for Pharmacists podcast. We believe pharmacists are the best positioned providers to lead in PGX. Pharmacogenomics is the study of how genes affect a person's response to drugs. This relatively new field combines pharmacology and genomics to develop effective, safe medications and doses that will be tailored to a person's genetic makeup. This podcast is dedicated to pharmacists with an interest in learning more about the data analytics, industry trends, and evidence-based usage of pharmacogenomics. Welcome to PGX for Pharmacists, part of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. According to peer-reviewed journal, JAMA, Journal of American Medical Association, to improve care when patients transition from a facility such as like a hospital to their home, Medicare started reimbursing for what's called transition of care in 2013. It still has a low adoption because the reimbursement is not that high and also takes resources such as staffing. So how can we leverage pharmacists to help patients transition better and allow the providers to use the expertise of pharmacists? Hi everyone, my name is Banasarami, your host to PGX for Pharmacists podcast on the most amazing and largest pharmacy podcast in the nation and the top 20 genomics podcasts mentioned in Yelp magazine. If this is your first time tuning in, I'm the medical science liaison to a PGX company called Althea DX. 
where I'm creating contents and educating clinicians on the value of PGX and helping interpret the report. I'm also a PGX coach to many um, PGX coach for many years, helping pharmacists start up their consulting career and developing possibilities out there for them. Here with me today, I'm so happy to have Dr. DePaul Sony, who's a board certified ambulatory pharmacist who focused on transition of care for pharmacists that I mentioned earlier. She graduated with a PharmD from Ernest Mario School of Pharmacy in 2012. Also have with me Dr. Chinky Badia, who has her master's of pharmacy with specialization in in vitro fertilization from University of Sydney, Australia. She then was awarded a scholarship from the University of Florida to complete her PhD in neuroscience in 2004. Together, they have created a consulting business called Core Care RX, where they focus on customizing the patient's care plan and engaging them in their healthcare decisions. They also focus on pharmacogenomics and nutrigenomics as well. So I want to thank them both for making it out here today. I'll let you guys introduce yourselves. Thank you, Benaz, for having us over here. It's such a pleasure to do this talk with you. Um, like you said, I'm uh, Dr. Bhatia, and I am the co-founder of Core Care RX, uh, where we practice value-based care along with pharmacogenomics testing and nutrigenomics testing. Hello, my name is Deepal. Thank you again, Benaz, for having me. I'm really excited. Um, to share our journey on how we came together and co-founded Core Care Rx and share our experience in transitions of care value-based services and the exciting field of pharmacogenomics and nutrigenomics. Thank you once again. I'm excited to have you both. Um, so Shiki, I know when we first met last year, I, I'm extremely proud of you. Uh, I, I, we, I helped coach you into starting your PGX company and I was, and you were, you were so motivated, so outside the box, uh, pharmacist thinker. And I was so surprised you coming me, coming back with all these innovative ideas. So can you tell me a little bit about your journey and how you've actually found uh, PGX and how it came about? I just want everyone to know. I'm excited. Sure, sure, of course. Um, so it's been an exciting ride, Benaz. Um, going back a little to my career, after I graduated pharmacy school, um, I decided to venture into in vitro fertilization to learn more about it, which took me to Australia. Um, but while I was wrapping up my master's, I landed up with uh, you know, a PhD offer from University of Florida and to be specific in the Department of Pharmacodynamics uh, Neuroscience. So once I graduated with my PhD, um, I didn't really want to continue with my basic science research. I wanted to dwell a little bit uh, in the clinical side so I get some patient interaction, which led me to take the boards and um, start practicing um, pharmacy. Um, even though I wanted to join the clinical side, uh, due to certain circumstances, I had to pick a retail pharmacy at that point, which I did enjoy in the beginning. But after a while, I somehow I, I just it just didn't agree with my value system uh, because while practicing, I saw a lot of over medicating. Each of my patients were on like more than 15 medications on an average. And um, even though I did want to help them out, I knew that I could 
somehow correct them and steer them towards nutrition, exercise, and preventative medicine. But the the work culture didn't really allow me to do that. Uh, there was so much uh, pressure from the top, which I'm sure many of uh, us community retail pharmacists are familiar with. Um, during this time, I also was just, um, you know, burnt out, very, very stressed. Um, I think I landed up with the imposter syndrome, um, started losing faith in my abilities, and um, I just overall in bad shape, bad health. Uh, that's when I decided I wanted to do something about it. And I started looking, you know, into the pharmacist moms group on Facebook, uh, which uh, which is where I came across you. And, and you were such a blessing. I was so happy to come across you and the concept of pharmacogenomics. Um, so ever since then, you know, things have been going, uh, moving forward for the better. And uh, using the tools you gave me, and uh, I should say that you've been instrumental in my journey because you gave me the tools to actually look outside the box and um, see what PGX is all about and uh, do more self-discovery. And then when I started doing that, I just found so many interesting things in and around PGX. Um, uh, I think I worked with RX Genomics for some time um, as an RPM consultant, which gave me a little bit of experience. And uh, the more active I got on LinkedIn, I came across Deepal, and then uh, we decided to integrate both our services, our expertise together, and form CoreCare RX. Well, that, that's awesome. Uh, that, that's a really beautiful story. And I can I can relate from a long time ago, uh, it feels like many moons ago, about the, you know, being in the retail setting and, you know, wanting to help the patients, but you really don't have the time. You're, you, you don't really have the time to do so. So I'm glad where you guys are at. You can help so many patients now. Uh, but you're also a, um, excuse me if I can't say this word correctly, but it's a Ayurvedic coach. Can you tell us a little bit about that too? Sure. Um, so Ayurveda is my passion. Um, I come, uh, I'm an Indian and I grew up, uh, even though I grew up in the Middle East, I spent most of my vacations with my grandmother who was an Ayurvedic practitioner in India. Um, I just be with her all the time while she was dispensing, creating, concocting, diagnosing. And it's always been a, a, fundament, a fundamental part of my health journey too. Uh, somewhere along the lines, I, I lost um, touch with it, but even while practicing as a retail pharmacist, I would try to incorporate it in, in little ways I could. Uh, but now that we have our own company, uh, we've actually incorporated it as like a major lifestyle intervention factor when we do practice value-based care. So when we do, uh, you know, go through the patient profiles doing chronic care management, which I guess people will speak about in a bit, uh, we use Ayurveda as an intervention tool to help patients get uh, you know, get on track with their health journey, nutrition, um, exercise, and yoga components into it. Well, that's pretty awesome. Um, you know, I'm still learning about that. That's, that's pretty awesome. The more we can power the patients with all the tools they need, I think that the better it is. And DePaul, can you tell us uh, a little bit about your role when you were um, 
focused on transition of care with your patient while you were at the ambulatory care setting? Yeah, sure. Um, so I was a transition of care pharmacist actually in the inpatient setting uh, for quite a number of years. Um, and it's a quite, uh, it's an interesting journey because I had a very um, set schedule um, before coming into this role and a set position, almost like a temp uh, permanent position. And then when I saw the job posting of, um, it was initially posted as unit-based pharmacist, um, I was really interested in applying and uh, doing that role because um, it was going to allow me to implement my clinical skills in uh, educating patients and being on the floors with the physicians and the nurses and um, doing their orders. So that's how initially the role started, um, just limited to educating the patients on the new medications and verifying the physician's orders. And when I when I applied to the roles um, to this role, um, a lot of people were saying, you know, it's just a pilot; it's not going to last that forever. You shouldn't leave your current job and go for something which is pilot. So, but I listened to my heart and I just followed that path. And when I uh, stepped on the floor, I was just overwhelmed about uh, the gap in the care we have on the floors when patients are being discharged um, uh, back to the home or back to the facility. Even though initially it started as just educating patients on the new medication, the more I did this work, the more I realized that doctors um, don't have uh, that much time to spend on creating um, the most important piece of paper, which is discharge medrick or discharge medication list. This is very important because this is what um, patients will follow when they are uh, when they are going home. This is what. Um, all the instructions, all the medications which are reconciled, uh, that's on the on this piece of paper. And uh, some of the some of the errors were like omissions of COPD medications, or um, or stopping the medication that actually brought the patient to the hospital. So um, it is very important to catch these errors and correct before patients are being discharged to the uh, to the home. Otherwise, they will end up coming back um, in the hospital. So I. Was, um, this is what I did for five, about six years, and I'm really proud and really passionate about it because we found so many errors. We also help patients get the medication uh, covered before they even go home to make sure that they will be taking the medication or even uh, getting the prior authorization. So even though this role started just as educating patients on the new medication, um, by identifying the gaps in the care, I was working closely with the physicians coming up with a proper discharge metric um, and making sure patients can afford the medication they are actually put on and that they will continue. And interestingly, even after you do all this work, you will always find a few patients that come back. And I wanted to know why. So, you know, once they go home, there is no one um, accountable for those patients. Now patients go home and they have the slew of medications in their cabinet and this paper. So who is really accountable for this patient? Sometimes they will duplicate it. Sometimes because of the hospital formulary change, um, they are they have 
three medications of the same class. So that's when I became interested in the ambulatory portion of transitions of care. And then uh, when I dug deeper, we uh, physicians actually have the code to build that and that's transitional care management. And I don't think so there is any other better professional to do the medrec, um, admission medrec, discharge medrec, or counseling patients on the medication than pharmacist. And that's why having a pharmacist in the team uh, of transitions of care is really important. It really is. And also along with that, I know you guys offer that as well. It's, I think I saw that on the website, the chronic care management. So one, one is a transition of care coming from like a hospital setting to a home or from home to hospital, it doesn't matter, you're transitioning. And then there's chronic care management. You can actually follow them up every month if you have that great collaboration agreement with the provider every you know, that, that model of the chronic care management or they call it CCM. Uh, and also you have for the behavioral health, that same concept, chronic care management. So it, it can be a continuous thing all the time. And you're right. What better um, person than or profession than a pharmacist in there? Because we know the medications, not just, you know, what they're for and how to, uh, you know, watch out for the side effect, but actually when to use them as well, because some of them just says one a day. So I get a lot of uh, patient asks, okay, do I take it in the morning? Do I take it with food? So they're still lost. So it's a beautiful thing you guys are doing. I think it's a whole great package, but how do you also incorporate pharmacogenomics in that current setting model that you guys have? So that's been uh, that's been the best part of our uh, integration of bridging two expertise together because um, like CCM is a great tool to follow up with patients every month to see how they are doing whether medication is working or not or whether um, you know they uh, they decided to go to multiple doctors and now they have more medications on their list or um, just how they are feeling their mental status. Um, or any other, uh, you know, tragedy that they've been going through, uh, especially during the times of COVID. Um, so we use CCM as a tool to uh, identify and screen patients for PGX testing. Um, we actually came across two patients who, who have been on um, sertraline for a very long time. And we also found that that particular patient was on tramadol. Luckily, nothing happened, but we all know what that could lead to, um, especially for the people who are uh, into PGX right now. And we identified this to the physician. So um, I think a chronic care management is a great way to uh, screen patients for pharmacogenomics. And based on the contracts that we now have with the clinics, we um, let the doctors know if a certain patient is a candidate for the PGX testing. Um, and that's when we, uh, you know, we will send out the test and then we'll build a medication action plan and uh, take things forward from there. In addition to CCM, uh, we recently um, signed a contract with an outpatient clinic in North Carolina where we are hoping to run uh, medication therapy management and um, again use MTM as a tool to screen patients for PGX testing. 
And even with the behavioral health integration, um, that's where um, that's a service where you use validated rating score like PHQ-9 or for anxiety scores. And then um, that's the way we, we know if, if a medication is working or not, or if patient is doing uh, better or worse. And that's when we also introduce a concept of pharmacogenomics to the patient as well, because um, educating the patient and um, and telling them the advantages of patient is also very important. And the fact that this, uh, you know, doing monthly CCMs with the same patient, it allows us to build a rapport, like a bond uh, with the patient. There is a certain level of trust and we know what's going on in their life for months together. So I think at that point, they trust us even more to uh, make a right decision for them uh, after educating them uh, on the benefits of uh, pharmacology genomics we actually get um, calls before they call the uh, office for the refills or if they are having any issues getting appointment with the doctor then we will coordinate the uh, appointments so or even just even they just want to chat with us <laughs> we are there well that's great and you were talking about the pilot study actually this in itself can be a really great pilot study what you guys are doing and really all that means is testing something out making sure it works which we know it does but then there's only probably a handful of pharmacists that are doing what you guys are doing which is chronic care management transition of care pharmacogenomics nutrigenomics like all of that together and you guys uh, couldn't have come up with a better holistic healthcare model I feel like and then eventually you guys can actually work with payers to show the results of your work and where a patient was at and where they got to and less hospitalization less side effect more adherence and kind of um, have that be part of their insurance package and have that covered. I don't know. It's just, it's just really, it's just really awesome what you guys are doing. You can go so many directions, I feel like. Well, it's interesting that you said that, Banaz, because that's sort of where we are heading towards in terms of uh, uh, running a pilot. So we've, uh, we are in talks with, um, a senior citizen center in New York. Uh, it's a South Asian senior citizen center and we are in talks with the doctor in charge over there to run the PGX pilot and the nutrigenomics pilot on the diabetic patients there. Uh, using value-based care where uh, necessary. And um, we actually wrote two grants now, so we are waiting on the results for it. Um, we are pretty, very, very excited about the nutrigenomics aspect also. Yeah, we're also in talks with um, Healthy Meal Delivery Service and see how we can, um, you know, uh, circle back using the nutrigenomic report and uh, empower patients uh, more um, and uh, use that knowledge on how they can um, improve their quality of life. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Again, I had uh, another awesome pharmacist speaker last time, uh, Jay Patel. He also said the same thing. Like, you know, we're, we were talking about if there's nothing out there like it and you have this vision and you can see where it's going and you, you know, why not just create it, come up with the model, which is what you guys have done and create it. So th this is really awesome. And so that's a lot of outside box thinking, putting things together and making it work and all these collaboration agreements. I, I hope... Uh, that it can be kind of not just where you guys are located locally, but kind of expanded out and kind of teach others how to replicate that model wherever they're at. So I, I think that's beautiful, especially with the PGX piece. Um, 
when, you know, not necessarily, might not necessarily be the ideal, but it's still possible to do it in a transition of care clinic, kind of explaining the PGX, but that it can still be because um, you're still following the patient. So you can introduce the PGX, talk, talk to them about what it is and how it can help them. Now they're on multiple med- medication and things like that. So I think that's that's great um, what you guys are doing. Yeah, and uh, one thing with PGX is to um, recognize the medication that's actually leading to the hospital hospitalization. So TOC clinic are a great place to um, educate the patient on PGX. And interestingly, while um, you're working with a primary care clinic, um, one of the ENT physicians showed interest in uh, pharmacogenomics, and that's where we are um, getting more data and uh, digging into to see how we can do uh, pharmacogenomics in ENT. Um, there's not much out there, but why not? The more places we have PGX, uh, there'll be more awareness and more education. Uh, I mean, I think everybody benefits from the testing. So it's like a passport. So why not? Why, even if it's not there, we can create, um, maybe do a pilot and create something so other people can use it. Of course. Yeah. And then you can do ground rounds if you have connections with hospital to kind of teach the value of the PGX to providers. And that could be something, you know, hospitals provide as a free service. I think I don't know much about that to, you know, to get more, not just the patients, because you guys are always working with patients. So they're going to get that education piece, but also providers so they can be aware of what is PGX, how that can be used. Well, I don't use a lot of you know, mental health, but it, it's valuable everywhere because people are going to come in with ton of medications. So if you're provided with all that tool, um, that'd be, that'd be really awesome. So you guys have a lot of, uh, educational pieces that you can do to providers in so many different levels. Uh, I, I love it. And, um, I really do. I, I'm just so amazed by it. I don't even know what to say anymore because you guys are doing all the, all the, like everything from when a patient is in their home to when they go to hospital to when they come back to how to monitor them afterwards. And then you also have the, what, uh, what is it called? The um, point of care service when they go pick up their prescriptions, that could be another place that you guys can tap into for PGX. I mean, really everywhere is useful. Yeah. And more lately, um, I guess this has been an inspiration from you where we uh, started doing the preceptorship. And um, that's been great because we are seeing all these young pharmacists uh, so interested in, uh, you know, learning innovative technologies. Um, And there are things that you don't know until you start practicing. But I think um, doing the the program, the electives with us, uh, we are trying to um, show them the platform of what it is like to be when you graduate and when you want to start something new and create a position for yourself. So uh, that's been great because uh, in addition to the college students, we also have some high school students volunteering for us now. Oh my God, that's awesome. Like get the education right from the start. This this analogy I actually use a lot when I talk to my 11-year-old daughter. I always, she asks me all these real world life questions, which some of them are more difficult. I tell her, I've provided you with all the tools you need to fill up your toolbox. So now 
you know, look to see how you can use them because I cannot always be there for everything. So I've given you enough tools in your toolbox. It's really the same thing, you know, when you teach patients how to take charge of their healthcare, their medications, have them understand truly what they're doing. And also the providers, you've given them enough tools. They don't, may not necessarily always need to be handheld, but they, they have enough information to take, take over their own healthcare, which is really also key. So at the end of the day, education is really powerful and key. So I'm glad you guys are starting from high school, from, you know, pharmacy, because that's another place that we tapped into. And then providers also um, can use that as well. Yeah, I think uh, there is a, like you would tell me, and we would talk about it, that there is just no shortage of places where one can reach and uh, discover something new. <laughs> it's just amazing. Um, there's so much you can do if there is, uh, if, if the resistance in your mind goes away. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, so are you guys looking into tapping into hospitals and kind of working with them? So every time they have, you know, obviously they would screen the patient, see if they're qualified for it, that they would, before they release the patient, they will talk to them as part of their, you know, uh, discharge, you know, whatever they call it, discharge consultation. They would talk about, um, PGX and then have them either go to their provider, do it or write up a report or a lab test, sign it. Then here's a, here's a report lab, um, sheet that you can go get the PGX done if you want to do it. Do you know what I'm, does that make sense what I'm saying? So I wonder if that's something you guys have looked into to, to do, cause that'd be ideal. It would be, and especially um, to address the issues like readmissions, re-hospitalization and readmission, especially within 30 days. Um, we haven't actually talked about it, but that that's something um, that we we can definitely look into it. And then um, because even hospitals, they are part of ACOs and they are they also need to report on quality measures. So um, even um, they need to do well on those scoring. So definitely that they will get they will be benefited with all the services. We are in talks with the nursing home right now. Uh, we initially, we didn't think that uh, getting in touch with the nursing home would be uh, that easy, even though that's a great um, I, a venue for having PGX testing done. Um, but now we are in talks with the nursing home and um, you know how to reduce their number of episodes, what PGX is about. And um, we, we are just waiting to hear from them and see where they want to take it further. Okay, well, okay, well, that's good. Yeah, so what, what advice do you guys have um, for pharmacists who kind of want to follow your footsteps and go in that same direction and make bigger changes like uh, like you guys are doing? Once, one uh, advice that I would give is to have a right mindset. Um, as I said, uh, many people, when I was trying, uh, when I chose this non-traditional path, even five years ago, people were like, why are you doing this? Why are you leaving the secure job to do something which is a pilot? Um, but you you do you do it you follow your heart you do something that makes you happy so if you go in with your uh, right mindset and the expectation um that, uh, then i think you wouldn't be disappointed yeah and so the other question uh, i have is i know a lot of people ask me this question they're a reimbursement model how do we get paid or things like that but i know uh, transition of care and 
and chronic care management, those are billable, but of course you, depending on the state, you would need a collaborator to kind of sign off on you because we're not considered providers yet in most of the states. So how do you, like if someone, somebody were to ask you that question about the reimbursement model and things like that, how would you explain that to a pharmacist so they're not discouraged by getting, you know, obviously you have to get paid for the services that you do. So how does, how do you work around that? So there has been a misconception. Um, there, there is one thing which is collaborative practice agreement, and another thing is clinical service agreement, CPA, which is collaborative practice agreement. Uh, you have to follow with the Board of Pharmacy and the rules and regulation. The clinical service agreement is basically an agreement between you and a provider um, for um, of you doing the work and provider billing the services and provider paying you. Um, based on the services that you did. So clinical service agreement is, is what, uh, what, what makes this uh, reimbursement possible. So you're saying there's a difference between clinical service agreement and collaborative practice agreement? Correct. So the collaborative practice agreement is what you apply to the Board of Pharmacy, and that uh, that gives you authorization to change the prescription. But if you're doing clinical services, you all you need is just clinical service agreement with the provider directly, um, not with the Board of Pharmacy. And then um, that's where you provide this bill for the services and they will pay you um, out of that. So, so you have to pitch in uh, to the providers how the services will help them and increase their reimbursement and the, uh, and the true value of the pharmacist. So there's actually a difference between uh, collaborative practice agreement, um, which is only in some states, uh, which gives you authorization to change the medication without even contacting physicians. We are involved in clinical service agreement with the providers. Okay, well, thank you for explaining the difference because I, I didn't know. I thought it was just, you know, collaborating with the provider regardless of, and, and then depending on what you have in that agreement, you could do X, Y, and Z services. So whatever those were. So thanks for explaining that. And, and that's a way, great way of integrating PGX too, because you are running the value-based care, but now you can integrate PGX too and work like an agreement out with the doctor. Well, good. Okay. Well, how can people reach out to you guys both for questions, guidance, you know, directions, you know, that they might have? Are you guys on social media network or how can they reach out to you guys? Yeah, we are everywhere right now. Uh, LinkedIn is a great way they can, you know, always private message us on LinkedIn. Um, we are, we have our company page on Facebook and on Instagram. And if, if they need any other information, we can always forward our email address there. Okay, perfect. And I know it'll be in the... Uh, no show notes as well for I'll put it in the show notes as well for people to reach out to you but but thank you guys for uh, coming on the show it was really great talking to you both I'm really proud of you guys both for incorporating all the amazing tools for the patients and the providers the three most awesome things actually four I should say chronic care management transitional care management pharmacogenomics and nutrigenomics you guys couldn't have had a more complete um you know, package going on. So I appreciate you guys both making the time to be here. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you everybody for tuning in and don't forget to share this link to everyone. So 
So they can also tune in and listen to PGX for Pharmacists podcast on the Pharmacy Podcast Network. There's no other place for all your PGX needs. We do a lot of PGXing on here. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and visit us on pgx4rx.com to listen to all other episodes. Thanks for your interest in PGX and for spending some time with us. Please share this podcast and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. For all of our episodes, please visit pgx4rx.com. That's pgx4rx.com.